Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. This is Saul Weinreb, the host of this podcast, and it is my honor to uh, continue teaching the first book of Kings, Malachim Aleph, Perak Yod Gimel, that is chapter 13. We just completed <coughs> at the end of chapter um, 12, uh, we finished reading about how uh, Yeravam, Jeroboam, <coughs> how he set up his own kingdom with the ten tribes in the north, and in order to prevent the people from going to the uh, to Jerusalem to pray, which Yeravam thought in his own arrogance would would end up uh, result would result in the people going after the king of Judah, and um, going after meaning uh, following after him and then he would lose his kingship and eventually possibly lose his life so in and because of his his fear that there might be some sort of reunification of the of the tribes together he set up houses of worship one in Beit El and one in Dan uh, where he's placed golden calves and set up houses of worship and said you guys can come here rather than go to Jerusalem and he celebrated a holiday <coughs> Um, which was a parallel to the Chag Sukkot of the Sukkot holiday, but he did it instead of the 15th month of Tishrei, <coughs> which is the seventh month when, when Sukkot took place in Jerusalem. He made it on the 15th day of the month of Cheshvan, the eighth month. So he set up a new holiday but, uh, but at, and, and told the people, you don't need to go to Jerusalem to worship, you can come worship here. <coughs> now, notably... Um, it is understood by most uh, commentaries, and, and it's, it seems pretty clear that Yerav Am did not tell the people that they were going to be worshiping a new god, right? Yerav Am set it up as if this was a continuation of the religion, uh, of, of, uh, and, and, and which is why he said, when he made these golden calves, he said, Well, he said, this is Elohecha Yisrael, this is your god that took you out of Egypt. As if to say, we're going to continuing that same religion that began with the exodus of Egypt. We're still worshiping that same God, but this is a new place, and these calves uh, somehow uh, will represent that. Uh, a similar uh, you know, mistake, a similar terrible tragic mistake as to what had occurred in the Torah with the famous, unfortunately, infamous story of the golden calf. Now... At, it was at this celebration because the the verse says vihine, and and behold, in other words, as if this is a continuation of what happened. So it seems like it was during this celebration of the holiday, Ish Elohim, a man of God, Bami Yehuda, came from Judah, Bidvar Adonai, with a message of God El Beit El to Beit El. So while this whole thing was taking place in one of Yeravam's temples in Beit El, the Yeravam omed al hamezbeach lihaktir, and Yeravam was standing above or over the altar, uh, doing his um, his 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 uh, uh, burning his offering, about to you know, or in the process of making the offering upon the altar. So, and this man comes. This man is an Ishalokim, a prophet. Tradition has it, uh, rabbinic tradition identifies this as Ido, Ido Hanavi, but regardless who it was, the, the verses here deliberately leave him anonymous. Uh, why is, is he not given a name? 
uh, it's not clear, but it's it. But he, you know, uh, sometimes when um, well, as we read through the story, we'll find his he uh, you know he made some mistakes, and he wasn't exact. He wasn't perfect in how he acted and delivered God's message. We're gonna find that out later. But um, maybe that's why I didn't want to identify him. But 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 even that. I guess doesn't make that much sense because the verses often identify people that made mistakes. So it's hard to know why it is. Um, but it is interesting and it is important to keep in mind that he is nameless. So this nameless prophet comes to deliver the word of God. And Yeravam is standing there leading the people in this uh, celebration and leading them and bringing the, um, the, um, bringing the sacrifice on the altar. And it's important to note also that Yeravam here has taken upon himself a role that the king really does not have. It, the Torah provides for a separation of powers, if you will, where the king is the political leader and the uh, religious uh, the functionaries are the kohanim, are the priests. But here Yeravam has given himself the role, apparently, of the high priest as well. Another further sign of his arrogance, trying to maintain all the... Um, power in his own hands, uh, which is pretty typical of someone who is uh, like this. Um, remember, he, Yeravam used populism. He used his, he said, anyone can be a priest, and he, he brought priests from the regular people. He used his uh, populist appeal, which, you know, he, which he had been using the entire time in the beginning, in the right way, in the beginning to try to ease the burden upon the people, but eventually, as many populists do, eventually they end up using that sentiment and using it to further their own selfish uh, uh, need for power. And he, this man of God, this prophet, called out over the Mizbeach, over the altar, in the word of God. In other words, he's directing his words towards the altar, not to the king. Right away, that is a sign of, of um, a lack of deference to the king, the opposite of, of deference. He is deliberately ignoring the king uh, to put him down, you know, to, uh, to um, because knowing that the, the arrogance of the king so, Vayomer, Mizbeach, Mizbeach, and he addresses the Mizbeach. He says, Altar, altar, so says God. He nay vain, behold, there, will, there is a son, a Nolad, who is born, meaning who will be born one day, Levate David, to the house, in the house of David, Yoshiyahu Shemo. And his name is Yoshiyahu, or in English, Josiah. We, we're familiar with the king that's coming in many generations from this time, the king Yoshiyahu, the king Josiah, who indeed. Uh, will destroy the, these houses of worship, and he will <coughs> he will um, sacrifice upon you at Kohanehabamot the the priests, and in this case he's directly saying this to Yeravam, uh, as he is a priest, and the priests that are uh, on these altars that uh, that bring uh, that that burn their sacrifices upon you and instead of the animal being sacrificed it will be human bones burnt upon this altar now of course this is a prophecy where he's speaking of a someone who is going to come and giving us his name uh, but I would like to draw attention to something here that's important. Yoshiyahu, the name Yoshiyahu, has a meaning to it. Uh, there's one other 
place in the in the Tanakh where where the root of the word Yoshiahu, right, which is Aleph Shin, um, is found, and that is in Yirmiyahu in Jeremiah, chapter fifty, where the word is is called Ashvate, all right, Ash Aleph Shin, which refers to the the um, the uh, foundation, the support. But not just any foundation or support, but specifically the the foundation of a building, right? Um, I'm sorry, I was just trying to find uh, this the verse. It reads as follows: naflu um, uh, right? So that the the uh, where it's referring to the the foundations or the buttress of a building, so it's not coincidental that this man of God this chose to say that of the house of David, right, which is foundation is built on God, right. That's a foundation that's going to stand. This altar is going to fall apart and break apart. This altar is not built on the foundation of God. However, the future kings of Beit David, the future kings of Beit David, even though they might be wayward right now, Rehavam, Rehavam, who's the current king, is not exactly <coughs> doing the right thing or leading the right way, but the foundation is still God. So therefore, as we continue in verse 3, And he gave a sign, right? <coughs> I'm giving you a sign, that what I'm saying is correct, that, that this is a sign that God said, This Mizbeach is going to just fall apart and the ashes that are upon it will spill onto the ground. So, he, he, you know, in other words, he says, however, the king Yoshiahu is founded upon God and therefore that kingdom will, will last. By HaMelech, when the king heard at the words of this man of God, of this prophet, that he called out to the Mizbeach, so the king is infuriated. He's being completely ignored. Here he is leading this grand ceremony, the grand dedication of his new temple and on this holiday, and everyone is there, and he's, bring, and he's acting as the high priest. And, and this guy comes, ignores him, talks to his altar, and says that his altar is going to fall apart, and gives him a little... Um, jab when he, sa- he, he says it's going to be someone from your enemy it will be a descendant of Rechav Am named Yoshiyahu who is built on a more solid foundation that he's going to be the one that ends up doing this to this place so Yiravam lifted his hand right from the service that he was doing over the altar so he's like his hands are above the altar and he picks up his hand there and he, scre- and he points and screams, grab him, right? And his um, hand uh, dried up. It became unable to, it's understood that it became unable to move. His, all the movement and motion and ability and strength of the hand was gone. He wasn't able to bring his hand back. Uh, so the... the um, 
and at the same time, the mezbeach, the altar itself, nikra, broke apart. And the ashes spilled from the mezbeach. Just like the sign, the uh, <coughs> that the uh, prophet of God had said was going to happen by the decree of God. So this tremendous drama has brought tremendous amount of, of, of insult and embarrassment to the king uh, at, the, at the very inauguration ceremony of his new temple. He, he, this, this, he's right now standing there with his hands stuck in the air and, um, and the, his new altar has just fallen apart beneath him. Vayan HaMelach, so now the king had no choice and he, and he said, Vayomer Elisha Elohim, he said to the, um, the man of God, to the prophet, Please um, beseech or entreat the, uh, the Lord your God, and pray for me, so that I can bring my hand back to me. So the prophet did pray to God, and the hand of the king came back to him, and it was now worked as it was before. In other words, his hand was next to his body. The, um, I kind of um, like to imagine this in such a way that the king himself is conflicted. The king, remember, Yeravam, we have to remember who he is. He's a person who started as one who was righteous, one who who genuinely stood up for the people when they needed help, genuinely was a fighter for the rights of the common folk, and, and, and who was genuinely promised the kingdom by God, right? So we're talking about a person who had a significant, who had, you know, who had something going for him. He had true compassion for others. He was a good person, however, at least he once was. However, his arrogance has completely overtaken him, has completely taken control of him and his behavior to the extent that he was ready to lead the, all of the people of Israel astray from God and, and, and to involve himself in such, um, all, because, you know, all because he was, he was afraid of his own honor. Imagine now this, this man of God comes to him and says, and, and ignores him and says, you're a nothing, you're a nobody, you're such a nobody that I'm not even going to talk to you. And this altar that's, that, you're, that you're working on right now is, is flimsy. It's not established on a solid foundation. It's going to fall apart. When the king raises his hand, it, it's almost like a psychosomatic uh, symptom where, where you know, he, his hand freezes and somewhere in the back of his mind, Yeravim is thinking, Jeroboam, Yeravim is thinking to himself, like, who, what have I come to? What have I sunk to? Right? So he has this conflict, this terrible conflict. On the one hand, he wants to raise, extend his hand out and say, grab the guy and kill him and, 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 and continue on that path of arrogance. On the other hand, he, he, can't, bring, he can't bring that hand back to himself because he's thinking, that, that, to what have I sunk? He's right. The foundation of everything here is nothing. It's not, if, if I don't have God behind me, I have nothing behind me. So the, the, when the prophet goes and prays for him to God, he asks the prophet, pray to God for me. Yeravam is starting to turn. We find these words the, the, uh, over and over again. We find the language, lashuv, to return in this chapter. We find it, I think, 
I don't know, somewhere around 20 times. I might be off by the exact number. But this return, as we see as the chapter goes on, return is a reference to the idea that Yeravam still has a chance to return to God. He can still go back. He can still turn around. He can still rectify his mistakes. <clears throat> and at this moment, why, some, many of the commentaries ask, why would, why would the prophet pray for him? Well, the prophet prayed for him because he saw that there was a potential, there was a spark. So now, all of a sudden, he gets his movement back. All of a sudden, he's able to. He's able to bring his arm back to himself. So then the king says to Elisha Elohim, the king now speaks to this man of God. He says, Come with me to my house, and let's eat. And I will give you a gift. <coughs> so here this is tricky. Now the king is back to his old king self. And he's saying... He, he, it seems like he wants to bring him close to him, but but the king doesn't say, I made a mistake. He doesn't immediately. As soon as he starts coming back to himself and his arrogance has completely taken over, it sounds like he's trying to draw this prophet into his circle of prophets, into his circle of religious leaders in order to convince him that this is the place to be. This is where the future is at. Bayomer Isha Elohim Elamelach. So the prophet doesn't fall for this. He says to the king, You can't buy me with money. Even if you'd give me half of the value of your entire household, I won't come with you. <coughs> I will not eat bread. I will not drink water in this place. Because it, it sounds like if, if I did, if I did partake of that, I would become corrupt as well. I would be taking gifts from you. All right, um, I would be taking gifts from you. I would be complete, come completely corrupt. I would have got derived benefit from you and your evil ways. Because when I received this message from God, God commanded me, uh, saying as follows, Do not eat any bread. Do not drink water. Don't become friends with them. And don't return on the same path that you came. In other words, Leave because if Toshuv Baderach Asher Alachta is 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 almost like a hint saying we don't want you to revert, right? We don't want uh, God is is instructing this this um, <coughs> prophet, don't return on this path on which you go. And I, I saw in a book in the Magid Studies in Tanakh by uh, by Alex Israel uh, by Rabbi Israel. Uh, and I'm, I'm quoting from him, who, who brings some scholars who demonstrate that this idea of lo soshuv baderach, we find it also, you know, that the kings are not supposed to, we mentioned this earlier, uh, that the kings of Israel are not supposed to have too many horses because they might go back on the path that they went to back to Egypt. Is this, uh, there's this idea that when one returns on that path, the one is somehow negating the mission upon which he is sent. So if he would have retraced his steps, it would be like a symbolic um, retraction of his mission. So God is saying, don't eat bread, don't drink water, because if you do that, you will be, be joining them, you'll be in cahoots with them, you will have benefited from them, and don't return on the path that you went. And he, so he, therefore, when he left the place, he left on a different path. Um, and he did not return on that path. That he, with which he had come when he came in to the town of Beit El uh, before. Again, we have this term, Veloshav. 
and velo tashuv baderach, velo shav baderach, giving us the idea, constantly hinting to us that there is a path here to turn around. There is a way to change. But unfortunately, Yeravam is not choosing that path. I'm going to stop here. Uh, this blob uh, in the next podcast, we're going to continue with a interesting episode that happens with this man, this prophet, um, as he is leaving the town of Beit El. But uh, this we're going to conclude right here with this part of the story, this part of the interesting story. Thank you so much for studying chapter 13, part A with me of this book of Kings. Looking forward to studying the rest of this beautiful uh, book together and have a wonderful day.